0: This is episode 41 of the Prepper Website Podcast. Today's articles are the hidden truth about taking expired medications, man traps and other security measures for your homestead, and four warning signs of a tornado and how to prepare. Hey, my name is Todd Sepulveda. I'm the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily aggregator of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. So let's go ahead and get started. A couple of great articles for you today. And I also want to just touch base with something, uh, an offer, a special offer I want to extend to you uh, at the end of this podcast. So we'll we'll get to that here shortly. Our first article comes to us from AskAPrepper.com. And it's entitled, The Hidden Truth About Taking Expired Medication. I don't 100% agree with everything in this article. I think it does have some great information. I remember listening to information from Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy about expired medication. So there's a, there's some differences of opinion here. Uh, but I think it's it's an overall good start for anyone who is looking at at their medications and it's, it's expired and um, they have some questions. I think it's a good starting point and you can do some research out there. All right, so let's go ahead and get started. Let's get right to it. Your medicine cabinet looks just like mine. If one equals none, then it stands to reason that you have extra meds. You may even have some meds that don't apply to anyone in your home. For me, there are two motivations for having too much OTC medication around. 1. If my family needs relief or medical aid in the time when the shelves have gone bare and the doctors have gone to New Zealand, I want to be prepared. 2. When loved ones are sick, there is little they won't part with to get that medicine. It's one of the most powerful bartering tools available. Because your stockpile will most likely expire, let's explore the full story on expired medications. In fact, good health is well worth an expiring medicine cabinet. Still, you want to be able to put these meds to use, and like everything else in your stockpile, you should know whether these medications are safe to use or not. Let's take the guesswork out of medication. The FDA ruling is 30 plus years old. The FDA instituted expiration dates on medicines way back in 1979. These dates were put on for public safety, but... I would also argue, as with most expiration dates, for turnover. You see, when food or products expire, you get to throw them out and go buy new ones, and that means dollar signs for the producers of those products. It's a little diabolical, but in the name of public health, who can argue it, right? Expiration dates also help with litigation. You see, going into business gets riskier every day. The tapeworm of America is a tort lawyer, and they are hungry to attack medications and their effects. These lawyers have driven the price of health care through the roof. Expiration dates give the medicine companies protection if meds are taken after that date and something goes wrong. So, what does something go wrong mean? With most medications, it's a matter of potency, not poison. This is the issue with OTC and prescription medications. When they age, they are subject to a loss in potency. We see the same effects in vitamins if you need a comparable. Some of those old vitamins on cell are little more than cellulose. A similar effect happens when you're with your meds at home. So where is the danger? Compensating for the lowered potency brings about risk of its own, says Jennifer Adams, doctor of pharma- pharmaceuticals and doctor of education, a spokesperson for the APHA and the senior director of strategic academic partnerships at the American Association of Colleges of Pharmacy. If an expired medication is now only 90% effective, some patients might just assume it's safe to take two pills instead of one, or three instead of two, she says. You aren't really sure in terms of how much you're going to be getting, and you could potentially be getting too much. That's when it can be very dangerous. And the source is cited there in this this article. Potency is also incredibly important when you talk about life-saving drugs. Drugs that lower blood pressure, stop heart attacks, Help with diabetes or asthma, to name a few. If the efficacy of these drugs drops and you are depending on them to save your life, well, you're going to die or overdose to compensate. Though it's easy to curse the government for their overregulation, they have the duty of looking out for 300 million people. They are tasked with making decisions that will protect a lot of us, even those who aren't too smart, while still allowing us the liberties and freedoms we demand. It's not an easy task. Without government regulation, the earth would be void of resources and many more people would die. It may seem like overkill and there is some treachery involved in the expiration decree, but it protects people and businesses. I think some people will disagree just uh, ideologically with uh, if the government wasn't around, the resource, we would be uh, void of resources, um, but uh, that's, that's just another article, right? SLEP or the Shelf Life Extension Program. SLEP was a study conducted by the FDA for the U.S. military. It found that most meds stored in exceptional conditions could last up to five and a half years past the expiration date. This study was conducted on OTC meds and prescriptions. It found common drugs like ibuprofen and acetaminophen, allergy meds, and even various prescriptions like opioids maintain 90% potency over the duration of the study. This means most medications will last beyond their expiration date. Still, the FDA utilized serious conditions for storage. Specifically, cooled facilities were used to store the meds over the five years. To me, it would make sense that as meds begin to age, move them into the fridge as this is your best version of a cool, dry place. Not all meds hold up past the expiration. EpiPen this is a one-shot deal that could mean life or death. If you have no other option, of course, it will help, but you put yourself or your family at serious risk using a less effective expired EpiPen. Aspirin. Normal aspirin and aspirin-containing medicines lost their potency quickly and became ineffective, ineffective shortly after expiration. Amphetamines. The same was true for, of amphetamines and meds containing them. Antibiotics. Using degenerated antibiotics will only strengthen the bacteria you are fighting. Therefore, you must run the full course. Do not take expired antibiotics. Here are the only four antibiotics you'll need when the SHTF. So there's a link there uh, that you'll want to check out as well. And life and death prescriptions. Never play around with expiration dates on meds that must work efficiently to save your life. Like the EpiPen, there is no margin for error. The bottom line. The government has determined expiration dates to both keep us safe from making bad decisions and to help manufacturers and retailers on turnover. Most meds will be fine past the best by date. Store your meds in a cool dry place and if they get close to aging, move them to the fridge. If you have the means, just replace them. Some meds will not hold up over time. Do not risk using expired life-saving medications. So there's a lot of comments here. Or at least there's at the time of this reading there's 15 comments and uh, you know people responding talking about antibiotics and and different things like that and uh, that you might want to uh, read up on but uh, again there is the um, Dr Bones and Nurse Amy they have that book and I re- you know I always talk about it you want that they have a whole section on antibiotics. Uh, and using you know like fish antibiotics and bird antibiotics and and different things like that that you can uh, that you can utilize that you'll want to r- definitely read up on but i I do agree you don't want to just throw out uh, i mean how many people do that right Just throw out medication just because it 's expired there's not and it's funny because you can look at it it's like from you know one day to the next or you know it expires you know April two thousand and seventeen and then it 's may two thousand seventeen and it 's like from you know one day somehow it just the medicine knows to completely go and, and expire. So that's not the case. So definitely, you know, use use some wisdom there. Do some research of your own. Look into the specifics of your that specific medication maybe that you're that you have that you want to uh, to look into. And it, it might be something that's that's pretty important. I know that I've used uh, expired medication, you know you go and and the doctors prescribe something, you're like, Wait a minute, I know I have it at home, and uh it's been expired, but you know i I just I've used it, and it's worked, you know so um definitely want to go you know check that out, but use wisdom and do some research on that but uh just you don't want to just go throw out medications and 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 things like that without really looking into it, all right? Again, I'm not a doctor and askaprepper.com is not a doctor, um you know, so you always got to take that into consideration, right? That disclaimer. All right, moving on, we're going to go ahead and go to survivalsullivan.com. Um this is an article that's interesting for uh, the idea of, you know, if you have a total collapse and you are protecting your home and you're protecting your family, things that you can do The the title of the article is man traps and other security measures for your homestead. All right. So let's go ahead and get started on this one. One scenario in the event of SHTF or Teotihuacan is that people will bug in. This means that they will stay in their homes, which they will have stocked with supplies. One thing people who intend to bug in need to consider is that they will need to fortify their home and property against intruders. To fortify your home or homestead, you have decisions to make. Do you want to harm the person? Do you want to try to intimidate them to scare them away? There are ways to do both. Your trap should increase in lethality the closer the intruder gets. Because, let's face it, if they step in a hole and hurt their leg and keep coming, then they aren't here to be nice. There are ways that you can create a secure homestead during SHTF or Teotihuacan without killing your fellow man. Although at this point, I think it's only fair to say that if they tried once, they are likely to try again. If you leave them alive and they try several times, they will eventually succeed. Their goal may may then be, in fact, to kill you to take your stuff or just move into your home. So you should consider that fact when you are preparing a security defense for your bug-in home, a.k.a. your castle. Non-lethal means just that. It doesn't kill. It can still cause bodily harm. There are several methods of creating non-lethal security measures for your castle that will still cause bodily harm. We will assume for the sake of this article that you are homesteading on a little land in a secluded area. Signs. Warning signs stating that they are about to enter private property that is heavily guarded and fortified is fair warning before anyone crosses that line. If they so choose to continue, then they are deserving of what's to come. Dogs. Dogs are good to have around as early warning signals. They can bark whenever they see strangers, alerting you to their presence and give you a little extra time to prepare to greet them. If you choose to let dogs roam freely, then you probably shouldn't use the other traps because the dogs could be hurt. Dogs also tend to keep game like deer away, so that is a negative mark against letting dogs roam freely. You can have a fenced yard immediately around the house and let the dogs roam therein. That way, if you have man traps out away from your house and the intruders get through them, the dogs can warn you about them. You don't need big dogs for this, but it helps. The intimidation factor of several large dogs around the house tends to cause many people to decide to look elsewhere. A Sentry If you have several people on your homestead, then you can use guards to patrol the grounds and perimeter. By using walkie-talkies to communicate, if they see anyone trying to come into the grounds, they will be able to observe. This way they will be able to find out if it's just one or two people or a dozen or two, then alert the rest of you to what's going on. Man traps. Man traps come in many forms. There are the simple ones like digging footfall holes around your perimeter. This is a low cost because there, is, there are no materials. You just need a shovel or a post hole digger. To put this plan into effect will take some work. If you have a tractor with a fence post auger, On it would be ideal. If not, then get to digging. You just dig holes about 14 inches in diameter and about 18 inches deep in a grid pattern, a few feet wide, in any vulnerable area where someone might try to come through. It won't really hurt them too much. The worst they could get would be a broken bone or a hyperextended knee. Another non lethal method of perimeter defense is to use an electric shock fence. If you run the wire about thigh high, it will surely be a shocking revelation to anyone who might wonder into it. These fences won't kill anyone unless you make them, but they will surely give someone the idea that there is someone there that doesn't want them there. Hit them with sticks. You can also make non-lethal traps by using piercing trap technology, but removing the sharpened sticks. For example, you can modify a tension trap that would ordinarily have two or three sharpened sticks on it intended to puncture the intruder's abdomen or chest. If you remove the sharpened sticks and raise the trap a little bit, you can redesign it to give the trespasser a good hard knock on the face or on the noggin, instead of puncturing their lungs and heart. For that matter, you can make it so that it cracks them across the knee if you are worried that hitting them in the head might kill them. These types of traps won't kill anyone. They might not even be injured very badly in them, but these traps can be considered a warning to the intruder that if they proceed, things will get worse for them which they well should, because let's face it, if you make traps like this and the person keeps coming, then they can only have ill intent on their mind. Kick it up a notch. If the intruders come past the first line of defense, then you must assume that they have ill intent, and so you must increase the lethality of your traps. If at this point you wish to not kill anyone, if at all possible, then I would make traps that are intended to hurt or maim them. An intruder welcome mat. If you wanted to kick it up a notch, you could put a piece of plywood in the bottom of the holes you dug with rusty nails through it. If nails are a rare commodity for you, then a few simple sharpened sticks can turn your hole into a punji pit. If you wanted to kick that up another notch, then you know what to smear on the sticks or nails. If not, you can read here how to spice them up. Here is some some footage from Vietnam era punji traps. And so you've got a video there. You can check that out. This level of trap should be should absolutely be a deterrent to intruders. It should tell them that you are not messing around. It should tell them that they are at the wrong place, that there are no victims here, and no easy targets. Attention trap. At this level of trap, attention traps should be stepped up a notch. They should be constructed so that they do not have the sharpened sticks on them. However, they can still be situated to be non-fatal by orienting orienting them to hit the legs or buttocks of the intruder rather than the chest or abdomen. Here's a video showing some of these types of traps used during the Vietnam War. A deadfall trap. A deadfall trap is a device that when a tripwire is hit, a large heavy object often covered with spikes falls upon the intruder. This can be done by simply using a short piece of log say 10 to 12 inches in diameter by 18 to 24 inches long Bore several holes in it and insert sharpened sticks in the holes. Point out, of course. Hoist the log about 15 to 20 feet into the tree so it isn't easily noticed. Fix a trip wire a few feet before the suspended log. This way, when they are walking, the trip they trip the release and then walk into the falling object. And so I just I want to point out that there's, uh, you know, all kinds of diagrams and and pictures on this uh, on this article or in this article that you can go check out. All right. Another form of this is a swinging deadfall trap. It is made just like the other trap, except it is situated in the trees behind the intruder on a pendulum. When the intruder trips the release, the log will swing at them from behind. This way they won't see it coming. These often hit a person other than the one that tripped the wire if they are walking in a single file. It doesn't really matter who is hit though as the psychological effect is the same on everyone that wasn't hit. This will all become concerned about what they will all be, become concerned about what lies in wait ahead. You can also make these with logs about six or eight feet long so that it might hit more than one person if they are walking side by side. This type is much more difficult to rig and conceal though. Shotgun shell mines. I know I keep talking about these, but they are just so awesome. At this level of security, the shotgun shell is situated at about chest to head level. If you want to make a really vivid impression on any intruders, set the trap to send a volley of shotgun shells when the wires trip. A half dozen triple-op buckshot loads going off at once and leveled between 3 and 6 feet off the ground will make a mess of several people. Imagine if they all hit just one guy. Regardless of whether you prefer to utilize non-lethal defense of your homestead or if you plan to have a lethal perimeter set up, keep in mind that this is your home. You have the right to defend it when society is in full swing, so you, you well better believe that you can and will if society collapses. Note of caution. Be sure, though, to keep your loved ones in mind. Make certain everyone knows where any traps are so they can avoid those uh, threats left out for others. Or um, It says treats here, huh? I was thinking maybe it meant threats, but it's treats. Okay, There's a big disclaimer here at the very end. All right? The content of this article is for information purposes only. Neither the author nor www.survivalsullivan.com shall be held liable for the misuse of the information contained herein or for any damage, injury, death, or any other negative consequences. We are not advocating that you replicate the steps and the advice offered in this article. Neither the author nor com shall be held liable for any product you create using this article. So, uh, I, I do want to point out, you know, that um, if something like this was going on, then you are like in a, you know, big time survival situation. The Walking Dead, zombies, you know, the whole deal, right? Um, I, I remember after uh, my dad's place up in uh, up in the country got broken into, and and they just you know all they took was the generator, and and really we shouldn't have we shouldn't have left it up there, uh, but you know it, hauling it back and forth was starting to get old, you know, and then you know just hey we're gonna we'll leave it here, and then we'll just get it next time, and really there wouldn't have been anything for anyone to take, but the generator was there, so they were able to t- take the generator. So we had the idea of, or I had the idea of, uh, let's put a board with some nails uh, in the on the driveway, and we'll cover it up. So we'll just remember that you know when we come into it, yeah. You know, next time we move that board, but we can leave, and and more than likely people are coming, you know, at night, and so it's a secluded area. They're coming at night. They they come in, and they are uh, they're driving their vehicle up to uh, the shelter. And so, definitely, if they are driving in, that they're, you know, they're going to pop their tires. They're going to pop at least two, and 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 all that kind of stuff. And so, it's going to be a big pain if they try to come back and steal something else. And so, I we did that, and we posted a picture of it, or I posted a picture of it, and people right away were telling me, hey, if you know, you realize that if you, you know, setting a trap, a booby trap like this, is against the law, at least here in Texas. I don't know what it's like anywhere else. And so you know that always was in the back of my mind uh that uh you know I was that that was something that could that that could happen and so uh we got some really good locks up there now, and so uh, it, people probably wouldn't wouldn't be able to break in as easily and we you try not to leave anything of value up there but and that's and that's one of the issues with having um You know, having a retreat or a bug out location or or something out in the country that where you're not at all the time—it's very easily to get broken into. And I know there's been articles written on that, and something to to definitely consider. Um, But the same thing applies here. I mean, if you're making booby traps and you're making this kind of stuff, uh, even if it's a non-lethal one, I think that if it wasn't an SHTS scenario or you know the the Walking Dead type thing. Uh, i I think you can get into a lot a lot of trouble uh still doesn't it doesn't uh hurt to go check out this article and also just looking at the videos um I mean interesting videos I mean a lot of a lot of servicemen got got hurt in the uh you know in the Vietnam era a lot a lot of guys got hurt just because of some of these traps um, that that you're seeing that they're showing here on on the videos over here and so uh, you know interesting to kind of know uh but um uh, Mm-hmm. Be careful if you try to utilize something like this on on your uh, on your homestead or on your property, uh, and and that goes for the same for the same idea for even putting out traps too, just for for animal traps too. You, you got to be careful there, and definitely know the laws um, in your in your local area. All right, so let's go ahead and move on to the last article here. This comes to us from uh, Sheepdogman.com and this is titled four warning signs of a tornado and how to prepare and we're in tornado season so i definitely want to share this out there might be people moving into an area where tornadoes are more prevalent um but you know even even here in the houston area not too long ago last season uh we got a warning you know if you have the 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 warnings on your phone they just popped up hey uh we're in a, a tornado uh warning and so uh you know, it's something to uh, definitely consider. And so you want to know, you want to know what uh, what's possible and what's happening. And then the look for is there. So let's go ahead and start reading this article: the um, four Warning signs of a tornado and how to prepare. The tornado is one of nature's most nasty, powerful, and destructive forces. It can strike with little to no warning and throw large objects around like a child tosses a small toy. Additionally, the most violent of tornadoes can tear apart a sturdy home or building, rip trees from the ground, make missiles out of large objects, create whirling winds with speeds of up to 300 miles per hour, and move forward at speeds of up to 70 miles per hour. Therefore, knowing how to prepare for, detect, and protect your loved ones from this nasty natural disaster is paramount. Even as the seasons change, nature moves within itself, its colossal power and delicate beauty in perfect harmony. Perfectly cosmetically, cosmi- Sorry, perfectly cosmically sane, though periodically nature will, in kind, kind of psychotic fit, go completely randomly mad, and that is the prologue to the movie Twister. Thankfully, with modern technology, there are four ways to receive tornado alerts. Use them. Four ways to stay informed: the internet. The following websites provide real-time notifications of tornado warnings. The NOAA National Weather Service, the Weather Underground, U.S. Severe Weather Map, Tornado HQ. This website will provide a voice alert if your browser supports it, and AccuWeather. And are all. there's a lot of links in this article you'll want to check out. Your phone. Phone apps are a great way to receive notices because you probably have your phone with you most of the time. There's Android options and iOS options as well. Radio. While you can receive notices on standard radio, it is best to have a NOAA weather radio. And if you are in an area, just side note, if you are in an area where uh, where uh, you know tornadoes are prevalent, I I would suggest just buying a couple of NOAA radios and having them around. And you might even want to uh, like I know that when I used to be on the campus, uh, we, we had a radio that would. Uh, automatically go off when there was any kind of weather alert whatsoever and even we had um, monitors for thunder and stuff like that so if thunder was a our lightning was a certain, uh, certain amount of miles away from uh, from us then we would call the students in from outside from recess and they hated that but uh, you know we were just being safe there but so it, if you're in an area where it's prevalent Investing in some NOAA radios and then even if you have, you know, having one at work, having one, donating one to your school or to your child's classroom, um, you know, that might be something that you could do. And then television. Yes, I almost forgot this one. Though many of us use the internet alone, some people still have television. So know the difference. A tornado watch means a tornado is possible. A tornado warning means a tornado is already occurring or will occur soon. Go to your safe place immediately. Know the scale. Tornadoes are rated according to the Enhanced Fujita scale. This scale ranges from EF0 for weak tornadoes up to EF5 for violent tornadoes. Just jump to the description of the damage of an EF5 if you want to get freaked out. EF0 is 65 to 85 miles per hour. Severe tropical storm category one. Light damage, peel surface off some roofs, some damage to gutters or siding, branches broken off trees, shallow rooted trees pushed over. An EF one is eighty six to one hundred and ten miles per hour. It's a category one to two. It's moderate damage, roofs severely stripped, mobile homes overturned or badly damaged, loss of exterior doors, windows, and other glass broken. An EF two is one hundred and eleven to one hundred and thirty five miles per hour. It's a category three storm. Considerable damage, roofs torn off, well-constructed houses, foundations of frame homes shifted, mobile homes destroyed, large trees snapped or uprooted, light object missiles generated, cars lifted off the ground. EF3 is 136 to 165 miles per hour. It's a category 4 to 5. It's severe damage, entire stories of well-constructed houses destroyed, severe damage to large buildings such as shopping malls, Trains overturned, trees debarked, heavy cars lifted off the ground and thrown, structures with weak foundations blown away some distance. An EF-4 is 166 to 200 miles an hour. It's a strong Category 5. Devastating damage, well-constructed houses and whole frame houses completely leveled, cars were thrown and small missiles generated. EF-5 is greater than 200 miles an hour. It's Hurricane Patricia. Explosive damage. Strong frame houses leveled off foundations and swept away. Automobile sized missiles flying through the air more than 100 meters or 300 feet. Still reinforced concrete structures badly damaged. High rise buildings have significant structural deformation. Incredible phenomena will occur. Okay, so now that you know all you need to know about staying informed when technology is working, here's what you paid for. How to recognize a potential tornado when the warning systems fail. Four warning signs of a tornado. Dark, often greenish sky. Large hail. A large, dark, low-lying cloud, particularly if rotating. And loud roar, similar to a freight train. Alright, now you're ready to detect a tornado. Great, now let's move on to how you can prepare for a tornado. Build an emergency kit, both for your home and vehicle. Make sure your emergency kit includes enough food and water for a minimum of three days. Also, make sure it contains a battery powered NOAA radio, a flashlight, extra batteries, prescription medications, and a first aid kit. See this checklist. Store protective coverings. Discuss a family communication plan. Be sure to put ICE or in case of emergency in front of your emergency contacts in your phone. Find out if there are emergency plans at your school and work. Talk through your plans with your children. Determine your best option for shelter and discuss this with your family. Communicate where you store your first aid kit and fire extinguishers. Make sure you properly stock your first aid kit with medical supplies. Also teach your family how to administer basic first aid, how to use a fire extinguisher, and how and when to turn off water, gas, and electricity in your home. Create a bug-out binder contains relevant doctors click here sorry, contains relevant documents. Click for checklist. Consider building a safe room. If you are in a part of the country that frequently experiences hurricanes and tornadoes, building a safe room is a must. This safe room must be built to withstand high winds and flying debris. Such a safe room will cost approximately 3000 to 6000 if you hire a professional contractor to do it. You can build a safe room in several places. Your basement. On a concrete slab, on grade foundation, or garage floor. An interior room on the first floor. Additional considerations for the build. Must be adequately anchored to resist overturning and uplift. Joints and connections must be strong enough to resist the wind. Walls, doors and ceilings must be able to withstand pressure and wind-borne objects as well as falling debris. If your ex- existing residence walls, they must if I'm sorry, if you use existing residence walls, they must be separated from the main structure so that if the main structure receives damage, it will not damage the safe room should include passive ventilation and an armored in-swing door. How to survive a, t- a tornado? go to your safe room or pre-designated safe place if you do not have a safe room go to the basement storm cellar or lowest level of the building and take shelter in a small interior room such as a closet or hallway also stay away from windows doors and outside walls you want as many walls between you and the outside as possible additionally cover your head and neck with your arms if you're in a manufactured home get out plan a place where you can go now and if there is a watch or warning go there immediately Get to a low place, ditch, or vehicle as a last resort. If you are outside and there is no sturdy structure nearby, find the lowest place possible and lie down flat on the ground. Additionally, if you have a vehicle nearby, try to drive to the nearest sturdy structure. However, if flying debris hits your vehicle, stop and shelter in place. Cover your head and neck with your arms or a blanket. Do not attempt to shelter under a bridge or overpass. These structures create wind tunnels and will not protect you from flying debris. Never try to escape in a vehicle if you are in an urban area. It is much safer to find a sturdy building in which to take shelter. Watch for flying debris. Flying debris causes more tornado fatalities. Certainly, tornadoes can be terrifying for those who are not prepared. Thankfully, modern satellite technology makes it possible to receive notifications in advance. However, because a tornado can develop quickly... Notice is not always possible. Therefore, it is important to know the four visible and audible signs, a dark, often greenish sky, large hail, a large, dark, low-lying cloud, particularly if rotating, and a loud roar, similar to a freight train. With a little bit of planning, you and your family can improve your preparedness and survival. Do you have a tornado story to tell? If so, I would love to hear it. Please post your story or comment in the section below. And as always, press on my friends. I right. man. just I have the images of just tornadoes being, you know, going through cities. And I can't remember the name of the city, but just that one city where it just was devastated. And uh, maybe somebody can remind me uh, of it. But, you know, it's just it's terrible when you have a real tornado go through a, a, a big one uh, and not even a big one. I mean, a small one can still do a lot of damage. Right. And uh, so it's something definitely to consider. We uh, we always think of uh, you know the big hurricanes and stuff like that and and uh, you know down here on the Gulf Coast uh, you know we we prepare for hurricanes but uh, definitely tornadoes are, are one of those and so if you are in an area that is uh, you know that is prevalent to, to have tornado activity definitely you know stay safe and know the signs out there and be prepared to uh, to to weather that having some of these things some of the things that we just normally do in preparedness having some of those extra things. Kind of prepared ready to go you know uh, it would be very very helpful and you think about people who lost everything uh, you know in, in some of these if you would have had like a bag with with that bug out binder in there with with important documents inside of there I mean how valuable would that be if you can like completely lost your home right so uh, you know some good practices there uh, to to take into account all right before I close out this podcast I want to just uh, invite you to um I, I want to invite you on a journey i guess is is the best way uh, a, a journey to live a more self-reliant life and i've been talking about that and this just recently this weekend i, I took time to finish up uh putting together uh, an email uh, list that would sur- be surrounded around this idea of becoming more self-reliant uh, living a more self-reliant life, living a, be, you know, looking uh, towards a, um, and living for a better quality of life. And so what I what I've done is I've created an email list, and within this email list, I've created um, a free e-course. You know, living a more self-reliant life. And so, when you register for or when you sign up for the email list, it automatically registers you for this e- uh, for this e-course, this free e-course that uh, is about five weeks long. And uh, you start, you'll get a new uh, email, a new lesson every week. And uh, so, there's a lot of advantages to it. But I want to invite you to go check out. Um, I created a page. I have a little video on there when i I talk through a little bit of of what i'm explaining in in the course and in the email list and then also there's um if you don't want to watch the video i do have it uh some some of the some of the ideas i go into more detail in the video but i do have um you know more of the um or or i typed it out for you so that you can uh check that out if you want to but anyway so i'm encouraging you i'm 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 letting this uh be known here on the podcast first, and then a little bit later on tonight, as I go ahead and post to proper website, I'm going to uh, release it there as well. So I'm expecting people to take advantage of it. I think it's a good e-course. Um, there's a there's a lot to it um, that I'd like to share with you. It's just I would go on and on and on. About it, but uh, you know, go check it out for yourself and and see what you think. Uh, just inviting you to live that more self-reliant life and and to start thinking that way. And um, looking forward to providing resources and things that I don't normally provide on uh, proper website or even on the Facebook page. Things that I could send out through email. There's a lot of advantages to being a part of the email versus some of the just. Having some of the other things that are out there as well, so um, I'm inviting you to that. Um, I have I'll have a link in the show notes, but also you can also get to it if you go to the Prepper Website Podcast. So if you're listening to this podcast, uh, you know you you come to it a little bit later than than the release date. There is a link on the top menu bar that says a more self-reliant life. And so, if you click on that, you'll you'll get to the page where you can sign up for the uh, for the list and also the the free e course, and uh, you know move forward from there. All right, so um, that's it for episode 41, and here it is to kick off a, a brand new week. And so. Um, like to thank you for listening today. If you get a chance, come by the website and drop me a line in the comments section. Feel free to share out um, our our episodes. I have added another share button, some buttons on the side, and um, they're on the side of the website, and they don't they don't mesh with uh, the things that are written there so there, you know I, I like the way it looks it kind of has that great feel over there on the side and it doesn't mess with anything so if you want to you want to share uh, an episode out a specific episode or you just want to share out the uh the website you can go you can easily do it right there and so uh we've provided that there for you but um hey if you get a chance again you know, Drop me a line in the comment section. Send me an email. Connect with me through Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I always love to hear from you. I appreciate the feedback. Um, even if it's feedback that you know, gives me a little bit of criticism, You know, I'm always trying to get better. I, I really am. Trying to do a good job. Trying to get better. And so I appreciate that. So choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government, the grid, or the grind. Until next time, stay prepped and aware. Peace.